This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Dustin Goodwin. He's in the HR industry, specifically in the software as a service space, looking to increase his revenue. So congratulations, Dustin, for your guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday on the show to build your idea. Simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now, and then text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. You are listening to episode 318 of The Top and coming up bright and early tomorrow morning, you are going to hear from someone who's 23 and his Asian parents don't like the non-traditional entrepreneur route that he's taking. Top Tribe, good morning, good morning, good morning. Our guest this morning is Danielle Morrill, and she's a technology executive with more than 10 years of experience solving business problems with software. She's currently the CEO and co-founder of Mattermark, organizing the world's business information. She's the Y Combinator Summer 2012 graduate, formerly head of marketing and employee number one at Twilio, the cloud communi- communications platform company, and supply chain is still her first love. Danielle, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Let's do this. Okay, first things first. What is Mattermark and how do you guys generate revenue? Mattermark is a service where people can research private companies. We are a SaaS company, so we generate revenue when people sign up for a recurring monthly or annual subscription to access our data and do research. Okay, that's great. So what do people... Um, get, just tell me the story of your last customer or a customer that pays you. Yeah, so there's kind of the... The easiest way to think of it is the sell side and the buy side. So either you're looking to sell to companies or you're looking to buy equity in them. So we have customers on both sides of that equation. So we have venture capitalists and hedge funds trying to figure out what companies are worth and what companies to invest in. And then we have salespeople trying to figure out companies make excellent targets. So in both cases, they're prospecting for the best opportunities to put them into their CRM or into a spreadsheet and then prospect and reach out to the people on the team. Okay, great. And so give us a sense of when you launched the business. What year did you launch it? So we launched in 2013. Okay, 2013. And as of... Uh, and I was asking this question. Do you remember what first year revenue was? I mean, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> pretty small. You got to start somewhere though, right? Absolutely. I was very proud of that at the time. I'm still proud of it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Now, where did you give people some more context? What did you leave in order to start Mattermark? So, uh, I mean, I left Twilio ultimately to start my own startup and actually we started something completely different called Referly. That's the company that got into Y Combinator. We did that for about a year and we realized it was a terrible business, terrible margins. We were just, we were never going to make much money. Was that an ambassador an program, like a referral program, affiliate marketing? Pretty similar to that. Yeah, it was affiliate marketing, but kind of consumerized so anybody could use it really easily. Okay. Okay, great. So, so you pivoted. Cool idea, but you know, you don't make a lot of money being the middleman. So we, we decided let's do something where we're really building the software and where we're the ones creating the value. Okay, so, so we, we build that company. So in 20, so you pivoted, obviously. Did you pivot while you were still at Y Combinator or after Demo Day? It was after. So it was about six or seven months after. Okay. And what the and founding team? Everyone. I mean, I wouldn't say we pivoted. I would say we, we shut down the company completely and then we started as something new. 
Okay, so Y Combinator, they, do they have? I mean, do, do they have their typical equity structure in your new business or no? Yes. Oh, they so do. It's all okay. The investors, it's all rolled over into the new company. Got it. But you got rid of any liabilities. You probably didn't have any, but you you just cleaned everything from new. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. And how many co-founders are you? Is it you and one other or you and three others or what? It's me and two others. Yeah. So my husband and then my friend Andy are my two co-founders. Oh, very cool. Okay. And who kind of break down the, the, the skill sets of each? Who's the tech guy? Who's the business? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of evolved over time. So, um, you know, when we first started out, my husband is our CTO. He and I coded the initial product. Okay. Um, I don't really get to code anymore, obviously, um, doing CEO stuff. Um, Andy runs sales and growth. Um, so so my, my friend Andy, our other co-founder, and then I run, I mean, I'm really doing the CEO role now. So I'm running um, finance, G&A, um, you know, leading products, kind of coordinating throughout the company and managing the senior executive team. So Daniel, the, the, the show gets, again, millions of listens. One of the things I always get questions about is, Nathan, I'm trying to start a business and I don't know how to have the uncomfortable conversation with my partner about how to distribute equity early on. What did you guys do? Did yeah. you have it? Did you do it diplomatically and do three, three, three or, or third, a third, a third or what? Well, I don't think you should do it even split because it's not ever even. Yeah, like, I agree. So how'd you do it? Also, if you can't have that com- uncomfortable conversation, I've got news for you. There's going to be way more, way more uncomfortable conversations down the road. So this is a good training ground for that. But, yeah, um, I totally agree. Yeah, How'd I you do it? Kinda, yeah. So, I, I mean, I started the company. I recruited my husband to join me. I recruited my friend Andy to join me. So I have the lion's share of the founder equity. Um, and I basically signed them the equity amounts I thought made sense. Um, you know, and they, it was like a job offer. Yep. So I think the C, I mean, the CEO decides the first major decision the CEO makes. Interesting. So you would be on the camp of it's an individual and then they kind of basically give a job offer to somebody else. And depending on how important they feel that other person is, they'll give them more or less equity. It's not just how important they are, although that's a piece of it. The other thing you have to think about is like, you're going to, you're not going to want this person to leave. They're going to be a huge part of building the business with you. You don't want them to come back to you a couple of years later and say, you know, I think I got really screwed. So you have a huge incentive to get it right. Yep. So it's much more of around like, you know, they're important, but you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So it's much more about helping play out the scenario of like, here's, you know, how value is going to get created. I think the, the truth is it's different with a startup that's going to go for swing for the fences outcomes versus just smaller business. Because in our case, any outcome is going to be really meaningful for everyone. And the percentage ownership that people have, uh, at the founder level, you know, isn't going to really, you know, it's all good. It's all good outcomes. I think if you have a smaller business and you're thinking you might sell it down the road for, you know, less than $10 million, there's a different um, way of thinking about it. And I, I don't know as much about that just because that's not the kind of business I'm building. But mm-hmm. I do think that I would have different considerations because the, the question is really, is this going to be life changing or not? Do I have to work after this outcome or not? Those are the kinds of things people are thinking about, whether they say it or not. Yep. you want to actually talk about those things. I love that. I think it's super important. I get founders on here all the time that say, we just put it 50-50. I hit them hard. I go, that's the laziest thing you possibly do. Uh, it just so shows lazy. you can't. It just means you can't really communicate with each other. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting that out there. I think I agree. It's intellectually lazy and oh, people should be totally. more thoughtful about it. I w- we need more people like you. We need more people like you. So let's real quick just <laughs> do some rapid fire stuff, Danielle, in the business. How much capital have you raised to date? Uh, a little over 18 million. Okay, 18 million. Okay, great. And so obviously, I imagine uh, you've done priced rounds at this point. It's not all notes. Not all notes, thank yeah. God. I was about to yeah, say no, that'd we be a nightmare. Did our C, so. Congratulations. Yeah. 
Thank you. Very cool. Okay, so uh, okay, let's keep going forward here. So, 2015, what was total top line revenue? Uh, top line, I think it was 2.4 million. Yep. Okay. That's right. So in so uh, I guess let's just do a, a run rate calculation real quick. So in March 2016, what was monthly revenue? Something you know somewhere up in the 230 range. It's a little higher than that. It's like two. I want to say 260, 275. We're getting really close to 300 now. That's exciting. I don't think we've got the books closed on March quite yet. But yeah, I mean, is we're making as much in a month now as we made in a year when we started. Yeah, that's incredible. It's amazing growth. Okay, and so walk me through the number of customers you're currently working with. How many pay you monthly? Yeah, so not very many pay us monthly anymore. I'd say like you know 50 or 60 pay us monthly. Most of them are on annual contracts. We've got about 500 customers. Okay, so but if you add up all your annual and monthly contracts, how many total customers? Five fifty. Oh, so Five hundred total. Five hundred. Okay, great. And so average revenue per user per month. Although that question might be easier for you to say average revenue per user per year. Yeah, it's easier per year. So it's been moving. So now it's coming up to almost ten thousand. So this is the number we want to see go up over time. Obviously, so. Um, it started out around 6,000 when we started and now it's around 10,000. Okay. Very cool. So, okay. And are you locking people in for that year or do they still pay you monthly even after signing a yearly contract? No, we, we like to have them pay us upfront for the year. When they do that, they get a bit of a discount and that gives us cash for yep. operations. So that's been something that's been super powerful for us getting a better cash position. That's very smart. And are you guys leveraging a inside sales team with that kind of kind of lifetime value or no? We are. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's always I always ask that question because, you know, some businesses they're too small to do it, right? You're you're like right maybe at the breaking edge of like it, it makes sense to add an inside sales team. So, actually, let's go real quick to get to true lifetime value. What does your churn look like? Annual churn. I mean, I think oh, annual churn at this point is like sub 10%. Okay. Great. So, so you're churning less you than 1% per month. Lifetime value and yeah, yeah. So, the thing you want to think about with lifetime value and fast though, First of all, we don't totally know. Even though we're three years in, yep. we actually don't know because our product has changed a lot and our customer base has changed a lot. So like, I want to say 80% of our customers were acquired in the past 18 months, right? So we don't have, a, not everyone has turned over on a year yet. So I think what's really important is to find other leading indicators before churn because churn will actually be massively laggy. Mm -hmm. um, so we really look at user engagement metrics to help us understand you know, are we having regular touch points with these customers? Are they logging in? Are they using the key features? Because by the time they churn, it's too late. Yep. Too yep. late. Now we have to go back and win them back. It's a ton of work. And then that's when your inside sales team doesn't scale. Yeah, I think that's a really important lesson because the fact of the matter is you can, you know, you can have all the data you want, but the truth is you really never know. Like a lot of people calculate lifetime value in months by doing one divided by the churn rate, which is really just, you know, right. feeding an assumption cell in a freaking Excel file. It doesn't help help you actually make the business more more efficient. I love your approach, which is what are the leading indicators to churn? Let's attack those indicators instead of the churn number itself. Right. And if you attack them, the good news, and we've seen this, is the churn does go down because these are the things that actually matter. People don't make a churn decision on the date of their renewal, they don't say, oh, I'm not going to use this anymore. They already decided. They decided yep. months ago when they stopped using it. Yep, you got it. So what is, do that. what is the average customer worth to you? Do you kind of know that yet? Is it like 20, 30 grand, something like that? I mean, I think it may be higher. So we have a really um, substantial amount of early customers upselling now to uh -huh. we have an enterprise plan that's like more in the six-figure range. Um, so I think it's going to be, you know, in the 50K plus range, but I don't know for sure yet. I think it all kind of comes down to the types of organizations they're in. Um, 
But, I mean, I think it definitely justifies having sales rep people so, on the team. Yeah, so your hunch is kind of like right now where you currently are. It's maybe 25, 30K. However, you're seeing a lot of early indications that it's actually going to be way higher than that, yeah. maybe 50K in the next 12 months. So what are you willing to then spend exactly. to acquire that customer? Yeah, so it's interesting. We just started having a formal marketing program. We Our VP of marketing started eight weeks ago. So, so historically, I don't have good data historically. I mean, yeah. it's really just the total cost of operating the business. Um, we did a lot of content, but you know, I think we'd be willing to spend a year or two of their value. Okay. Um, I actually, I strongly believe that in SaaS, like everything gets better over time if you can just survive the slog. So since we're trying to build a company that's going to continue to have hyper growth, we have to be willing to invest and believe that those customers can become more valuable, that we can make them more valuable by building more things they'll pay for. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I we'll like that spend, approach. You know, 10, 20 grand. So then, and that again, that is almost fully weighted. So that's taking all expenses divided by total number of new customers each month, and boom, that's a fully weighted CAC. Yes, very so cool. It's including all the cost of sales. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Very cool. And you guys are San Francisco based, correct? Correct. And real, uh, let me see what else here because I love. I'm going to add you guys to this chart. It'll be super, super valuable. Um, team size. How do you, awesome. where are you guys at now? We are at 47. Wow, growing fast. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We've added 14 people in the first quarter. Wow, very cool. Is, is it easy to find people in San Francisco or is it just, you know, you have to be picky and choosy or what? I mean, I think you always got to be picky and choosy, but we found great people here. We've also had great people move here from other places. So I think it's all about just hunting for the best talent you can find. Yeah, yeah, baby. Well, Daniel, this is super valuable to understand and kind of listen to. Um, one thing I'm curious, let's talk real quick because you, you're, I can tell you get this. You're, you so get this. How are you thinking about the business? When you had that conversation with your founders early on and you said you have to think about things like, do you sell for more or less than 10 million? Is this life changing, et cetera? What's your guys' goal with this thing? Uh, and I mean, and, and, Obviously, you have to kind of coat this because other people are listening. But what is your goal? Oh, I don't have to coat it with any sugar because everyone knows my goal is to work on interesting things my entire life. And I think the most important thing is that I, for me personally, is that I'm doing work that I just find completely mentally engaging. I cannot stand being bored. So I think there's a lot of things that flow from that, right? I want to build a company that is um, still fulfilling that curiosity. And if it gets boring... If it gets too big and bureaucratic, I'm not going to like it. But I have this hunch that you can build a great big company. So I think every level that we've moved up, I've said, oh, you know, I guess the company's worth more now. I guess we could sell it. But like, what would I do? Say I sold the company for $100 million today. I'd have a lot of money. Daniel, do you mind me asking asking how old you are for context? I'm 31. Okay, 31. And that's viable because we have, again, we need more females in tech. We need more males in tech. We need more smart people in tech. And so they're listening right we now going... More people <laughs> building amazing things. <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, so yeah, look, it's a good, it's a great point. There's a lot of people that sell their business and they go, oh my gosh, I'm bored. I'm depressed. What do I do? You know, it's so true. And I think people don't think about it ahead of time. So it's, I think if I was not interested in it though, if it, if it and there's many reasons that could happen and there's nothing wrong with this. So people considering selling their business I'm not judging that at all. It's just for me, it's more important that the work be interesting. And right now, the company I'm building is the most interesting thing I can imagine working on. Yep. Yep. I think that's a great way to look at it. And you know, I guess where maybe Daniel, like it's tricky is um, what you just articulate is kind of your worldview, but you, you have obviously other people now on the cap table. Do, do they, do you just try mm-hmm. and make sure when you get them on board that they share your worldview? Yes. I think that's the most important thing. So I think the key to my worldview is it's a long-term view the idea that value created over the long term is going to massively trump any kind of short term outcome. But you don't have to be myopic, right? If someone comes along and offers me a billion dollars for Mattermark, that is so far and beyond the value of the company right now. 
um, at least to me, but if someone else sees that kind of value, you have to consider that would be life changing for every single employee in the company. So I'm not, I'm not blind to that, but I think that's also very unlikely to happen. What is, what would you consider? It's the end of fast forward. It's the end of 2016. You're doing closeout for the year. If you hit X revenue number, what would make you just jump for joy? Oh yeah. I mean, I think if we hit like, you know, basically two X of what we did last year. So 4.8 million, I'd be thrilled. Anything beyond that is just, is just icing on the cake. But I think that's a very solid year. I mean, continuing to grow triple digit, you know, growth is really where it's at. And you're currently at, you know, doing 275 per month about, which puts you, I think, at about a 3.3 million annual run rate. So uh, yeah. a l- lot of growth yeah. there. That's exciting. Well, Danielle, before we get to my favorite yeah. part of the show, which is the wrap up, tell me real quick, if people want to connect with you personally online and follow your journey, where can they do that? The best place is going to be on Twitter. This is my first name, last name, Danielle Morrill. A lot of double letters in there, but that's the best way. <laughs> For us dyslexic people, that's tough, you know. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay, Top Tribe, do not forget your chance to win 100 bucks right here on the podcast every Monday. It's very simple. You just subscribe to the show on iTunes. And then once you've done that, text me to prove that you've done it. My number is 703-431-2709. Subscribe now and text me to enter. 703-431-2709. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, and you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can see Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, Top Tribe, we will link to all of Danielle's stuff, including Mattermark, which you should check out at NathanLacka.com forward slash the top 318. All right, Danielle, it is time for the Famous Five rapid-fire questions. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Number one, famous uh, favorite business book. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> you don't like when I pause. Let's see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Pyramid Principle by Barbara Minto. It's actually much more about communication than business, but crucial book. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, Elon Musk. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like HostGator? Oh, geez. Um, Slack. I'm addicted to it. I'm using it like 10 hours a day. (laughs) Crazy. Okay, next. Uh, Yes or no, as you're building this empire, Danielle, are you getting eight hours of sleep? No, but I don't need eight hours of sleep. What do you need, you think? Seven. Seven? Okay. I think you need seven. (laughs) I love it. And what's your situation? You don't mind me asking. You're married, single? Do you have kids? I am married. I've been married for almost nine years. No kids. Wow. Congratulations. Okay. So married, you, you already disclosed age 31. Take us back 11 years, Danielle. And this is going to be so valuable for the, for the young you know, female listeners and even male listeners too. But take us back 11 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, I wish she knew it was all going to be okay. She didn't need to angst so much about her career and just keep doing what she's doing. I was already working at that point, but I was definitely a very angsty early 20s person. I think a lot of people can relate to that. 
Top so it's all going to work out. Just keep working. The top drive. There you have it. It is all going to work out. Just keep working from Daniel Mora, who launched her business three years ago, over 500 paying customers, $18 million raised, currently at a $3.3 million annual run rate with a goal to hit $4.4 million, which would be triple digit growth year over year, a team size of over 47 people building big in San Francisco for the long term. Danielle, thank you for taking us to the top. Absolutely. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed Danielle today, go back and listen to yesterday's episode with Ryan Moran. This new dad did a million dollars per month on fish oil and Bernie Sanders. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right? When you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator, go sign up now to get your free money. HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.